0: that trio came from. That's one of the things we're doing on Sunday night with the teens downstairs during the prayer time. And so we want to invite you to be here for that. And uh, we uh the next several Sunday mornings, last Sunday, we talked about repent. And uh, this morning, we're going to try to deal with the word believe. These are four Bible words that when God talks about salvation, when he talks about eternal life, one of these four words, repent, believe, call, or receive, are going to be found in the passage somewhere. And so I just felt like uh, it would be uh, good for us to take a few weeks right here in the middle of the summer and, and review these words. Uh, The word believe has actually become uh, somewhat of a difficult word for us to deal with uh, when in our day and time after generations of philosophy and lawyers taking the English language, taking words, profaning them, expanding them, and, and rendering senseless the common usage of words. Uh, there, there is a method to that madness because uh, if you're working toward uh, a a uh, indoctrination or a brainwashing of society, then words cannot have real meaning because that's not what's being conveyed. In fact, several years ago now, we had a, a church group come in and. <clears throat> Uh, if you know me very well, uh, you know that I, I'm I'm just not one of those uh, artsy kind of guys. I mean, I, I do appreciate uh, culture and things like this, but so much what goes for culture today is, is sophistry. Uh, they sit there and they slosh the wine in the cup and they look at it and they smell it and then they... Uh, uh, do all kinds of disgusting slurping noises and slosh it in and then spit it out. Uh, you know why? Because at a wine tasting if you actually swallowed everything that you tasted you'd be so dead drunk you wouldn't know what you'd done. Uh, that's not culture to me. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, and, and well actually I'm not sorry. I'm sorry for the people who think that's culture. That that would be a better rendering of, of the words and then we have all of these classic musicians, and and I'm a lover of good music. I really am. Uh, I enjoy all kinds of music. Yes, I do have classical music on my iPhone. You can look at my playlist if you want. Uh, but I got some good old-fashioned bluegrass music, too. I mean, I, I love music. Uh, but... If you know anything about this neoclassical music that has been offered in the last 20 years, where slamming the piano lid three times is part of the performance. In fact, one guy went so far as to actually put a concert grand piano brand new on the stage. And they set up microphones in different places and gave large hammers to several, quote-unquote, musicians who destroyed the piano and called that art. Um, You know, and and we don't have to go to the words. Do not confuse bluegrass, good old banjo music, and singing sweet songs to... Country music, many songs of which the lyrics are so profane that I could not, would not even read them from the pulpit. And and we don't need to get started on rock music, but that is our society in which we live. And I want to challenge you with something. The people who perform this music and this quote-unquote art and these dances and mimes and all of those things, they believe in what they're doing we're talking about the word believe i want to challenge you that the 911 hijackers believed in what they were doing they they were not like many of the suicide pilots in world war 2 that were only given enough gas to fly their plane one way and made so drunk that they didn't know what they were doing before they took the controls of the plane. Uh, there, There were some zealots, yes, but there were many more that were forced into that kind of behavior, told that if they came back, their families would be executed, and so would they. There was that kind of stuff going on, but we have people today that believe with all of their heart that the murder of innocent people is good and right for their cause. We have people who believe that our society would fall apart and freedom would be completely lost if the right to murder an unborn baby in its mother's womb were to be taken away from them. We have people who believe that you should not own anything, that everything should be given into the hands of the government, Now, how many of you enjoy filing your income tax? I mean, what a mess. How many of you do your own taxes? I I do. I, I do my own taxes because I can't afford to pay somebody to do them for me. But, I mean, it is complicated. At the end of every form, it said... Oh, this, this form should only require two hours of bookkeeping. Yeah, if you have a master's degree from MIT or something, maybe, uh, or if you're a CPA. But if you're a normal human being, this thing is crazy. Are you with me on this? And, and we, we live in a world. And if we want to trace it back, we go back to this thing called Philosophy. Did you know that none of us are really in this room? We're only thinking that we're in this room. And the pew that you're sitting on is really not made out of wood. It's just just a thought process. If that were true, you'd all be sitting on the floor. Amen? But these are the kind, how many of you are saying, man, yeah, I heard that in, in philosophy class when I went to school. Uh, people believe these things. Let me read a Bible, a Bible verse here. Second Timothy 2.13 says, if we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. Could I challenge you today that you can have a crisis in belief? You can have a crisis in faith. And God will keep you if you truly have believed on Him. Can we say amen to that? But in contrast to that, the book of Hebrews, we covered this verse on Thursday night, Hebrews 10.39. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. There there are people there that only have a partial belief in God, and that's not going to get them to heaven. The Bible is very clear about that. There are many people who claim to believe, and they don't. We we live in a world of deception and self-deception. We live in a world where everybody wants to believe alternate truths. Uh, my mama had a name for alternate truth. She called it lying. Uh, and uh, that was one of the things that we were most severely punished for as children, was seeking alternate truth. If mom caught us lying, it just was not a good day in the neighborhood, even if Mr. Rogers did show up. Uh, It was going to be sadness and pain because you cannot, you cannot have all of these things to simply be true. Brother Clayton put it this way, he said, You want to fill up the building, Pete? He said, let me tell you how to do it. Just stand at the door and shake everybody's hand and say, you're right. You're right. You're right. And if you'll do that, you'll fill up the building. You won't have a church, but at least the building will be full. Uh, And, of course, he was being sarcastic, and and, uh, we have uh, learned that. Let's take our Bibles here, and this morning I want us to turn to John chapter 3. Because people believe in so many things, and at times it's difficult for us to even comprehend how our belief system is affected and influenced by the things that go on in the world around us. Uh, We are not isolated from all of this craziness that is in the world. But as we look at this verse, believe, let's let the word of God have meaning today. And let's ask God to help us understand and to just look at this word, believe. Read very carefully with me silently as I read aloud. I want you following along word for word. John 3, verse 16, says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Let's continue. For God sent not his Son in the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Now, that's fairly clear. And there are some people will clear this up actually using the Oxford English Dictionary. People say, well, do you believe on Jesus or in Jesus? Have you ever heard anybody do that? And and if somebody does that to you, here's the answer. Can you tell me what the difference is? Can you tell me what the difference is? What, What are you trying to prove by playing with prepositions? Let me read the definition of the word and, and we're going to do a little etymology here studying the root of the word because the root of the word believe goes back to another Bible word that we love and use a lot around here called faith. that there's a connection between these two words. Now, please bear with me, listen very closely. First is the definition, The mental action, condition, or habit of trusting to or confiding in a person, thing, trust, dependence, reliance, confidence, faith. So, there we have the definition of the word. Now, here's the history. Belief was the earlier word for what is now commonly called faith. The the latter originally meant in English, as in the old French, loyalty to a person to whom one is bound by promise or duty, or to one's promise or duty itself, as in to keep faith, to break faith, and the derivatives, faithful, faithless, in which there is no reference to belief, i.e. faith, was fidelity and fealty. But the word faith being... Through Old French, fi, faith, the etymological, etymological representative of the Latin fides, it began in the 14th century to be used to translate the latter and in course of time almost superseded belief, especially in theological language, leaving belief in great measure to the merely intellectual process or state. Do you follow the, what's being said here is that Faith actually at one time had superseded the word belief and was used instead of the word belief. It was preferred to to that. And then it began to change where belief was merely the intellectual process, whereas faith was the result of that belief. And uh, thus belief in God no longer means as much as faith in God. And the act, uh, the uh, quotation they use is from the year 1814. It says, One in whom persuasion and belief had ripened into faith. And uh, so what what we're talking about here is we're talking about a connection between the word believe, And the word faith, historically rooted in the ancient word, the word belief and the word faith, have a common root and a common usage. You cannot separate, even though modern history has done that, we tend to look at the word believe as just simply an intellectual choice, whereas the original usage is dealing with much more than just an intellectual belief. It had to deal with faith. That is a, a, a new uh, invention or redefining of the word belief. And that's one of the problems that we have, is we allow modern definitions to change our understanding of the word of god you see that's why someone can say well i i believe in the good of communism someone makes that statement uh we have people here that have lived under communism is there anything good about communism only if you're a communist uh, only if you're a party member. Only if you're one of the people that's in charge. If you're not, it's not good for anybody else or anything else. And, and yet people will say these things and they'll say, I, I believe that, uh, and and we can just go to utter extremes. We had a president that said, I believe that the answer to the American debt is spending our way out of debt. Well, how has that actually worked out? I think since he was president, we've tripled the national debt. And we're no longer talking about hundreds of billions. Now we're talking about trillions of dollars each and every year. Uh, you, You can say you believe anything, but true belief, we go back to the definition, is a mental action condition or habit. It's a continuing process. It is trusting and confiding in the object of your belief. So, belief is not simply just a thought process. Belief and faith are parallel words. The next point I want to bring up in the definition is there must be Cognitive thought involved. We talked about this. It's not just thought, but there must be thought. And, and says to have confidence or faith in a person, or and consequently to rely upon, to trust to. In uh, its construction, is in, or theologically on, formally within to or unto, which is rare. No difference can be detected between the use of believe in and believe on in the 16th century versions of the Scripture, except that the latter, believe on, was more frequent. Now, some people get caught up in all kinds of things. Believe. Means to have faith in. It means there must be a consistency there. It's not something I believe today and change my mind about tomorrow. There, there must be, in order for it to be belief, there must be a choice. You must make a cognitive choice, but the ultimate point that we're getting to is that cognitive choice has an effect on behavior. If I really believe something, it's going to change what I do. Now, how many of you, that's a revolutionary thought? And yet to our society in which we live, they try to make a break between what you believe and what you do. The word that the Bible uses that takes do and belief and puts it in one word. Doctrine. You can't have doctrine you do not practice. If you have doctrine that is not practiced, the actual word is sophistry, which is mind games. It's just playing around. It's just saying things to say things. And yet, the the last part I want to bring out about the meaning of this word is it's much deeper than thought process, yet it involves a choice. You have to choose what you're going to believe in. You have to place your faith in or on something. There's no actual difference there. It affects how I behave. and, And there's an exclusivity Clause in the word belief. You cannot believe in two opposing things at the same time. If you want to know why we live in a mentally unstable society, it is because we've had generations of philosophy professors in college and in high schools teaching our children that you can believe in two things being right and wrong at the same time. God never designed the human mind to be able to think that way. And when you choose to think that way and try to force your mind to grasp such concepts, you're going to end up being emotionally, mentally, and in every other way unstable. So as we look at this word belief, That whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It's not, well, I'd like to try Jesus to see how it works out. Many people try to take that approach, and that's why they're not saved. and never will be until they get past those things. If you're going to believe on Jesus or in Jesus, by the way, both forms are used in John three sixteen through 18. If you're going to believe in or on Jesus, it means you're not going to believe in or on anything else. You can't believe in your church to save you, in your priest, in your baptism, in your ceremonies, in your good works, in anything else. Now, let's turn in our Bibles to John chapter 5, if we could, because there are some people who cannot believe. Jesus put it this way, of course, we've covered it several times In the Sermon on the Mount, no man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. And one of the illustrations that I like to use for this is, how many of you have ever seen someone walk a tightrope, a high wire, up up above the ground? You've ever seen that on TV or in real life? How many of you have ever seen more than one person on the same rope or wire at the same time? Uh, I mean, that that happens. They'll they'll get two or three. They've had, uh, I think it was the Walenda family who was the famous family that would build a pyramid. There'd be one guy at the bottom and they'd build an upside down pyramid on one high wire. Uh, actually, that act cost several of them their lives in a catastrophe many, many years ago. It was a, uh, a terrible thing. They d- didn't. Something happened, and it was people died because of it. But let me ask you a question: Have you ever seen one person walking on two ropes at the same time? You haven't. You want me to tell you why? Because you can't do it. You're either going to trust one or the other. You see, God programmed us to believe. But He didn't program us to believe in many things. He programmed us to believe in one thing. Yet, we live in a world where the majority of the people here refuse to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. John chapter 5 just went through this in Sunday school, I believe. And here was Jesus at the pool of Bethesda. You remember the story? The man was there and he had been there for many years and he could not get anyone to put him in the water to heal him. And Verse 8, Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, and took up his bed, and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. So, here we have Jesus, and he was doing this on purpose, by the way. Here's the reason we're going to look at this issue of belief here, these these. Jews, again, remember any time you see capital J-E-W-S in the, in the gospel records here, uh, and, and I believe a few times in the book of Acts, it's not talking about all Jewish people. What it's talking about is their religious leaders. It started with the, the priest or the Sadducees, and then you had the scribes, you had the lawyers... Uh, who were different sects of those ruling classes there. And and then you had underneath of them, the far most numerous, was the Pharisees. Uh, Anybody could become a Pharisee if they wanted to. All you had to do was memorize Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Anybody want to join next week? Uh, I mean, that was the first question on the Pharisee test. You had to be able to quote the law. And so, these people meet this man who is carrying his bed on the Sabbath day. And I want you to remember, when God had given the law to Moses on Mount Sinai, do you remember the half-Egyptian man that was gathering sticks on the Sabbath to start a fire? Does anybody remember that? What happened to him? He was stoned to death. He was killed. Capital punishment. Why? Because he had broken the commandment, thou shalt keep the Sabbath day. And by the way, the Sabbath always has been, always will be Saturday, the seventh day of the week. It's not Sunday. You read many books written around the turn of the last century and and everything was about Sunday, the Sabbath. No, Sunday is not the day of rest. Saturday is to be the day of rest. And we've gone through this. Every day is a day of rest for the Christian who believes on the Lord Jesus Christ. But we'll keep moving here. This miracle brought a conflict of beliefs. This man had believed on Jesus. Jesus had healed him. Jesus told him to carry his bed home. Why? Because if he hadn't carried his bed home, he'd have nothing to sleep on that night. Jesus cared about people. Amen? It was the same thing as a, an animal needs water. Uh, just because it's a day of rest doesn't mean the animal doesn't need watering. In the hot climates, if you did not water the animals, they would get sick, they would be weak. Uh, bad things could happen, and so you were supposed to. Now, giving an oxen or a sheep or something, uh, uh, or one of your animals, a little goat, something to drink, or a man not having a bed to sleep on? Does anybody see any difference there? Jesus did not. The Jews did. Number one, they didn't know all the circumstances that were around it. But more importantly, they had to reach that conclusion that Jesus had broken the Sabbath because of the things that they had already chosen to believe. As we go down through the chapter, we're going to find out here. It says in verse 39, Jesus said, Search the Scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. And ye will not come to me that ye might have life. Imagine the words that Jesus was speaking unto them. He says, you search the Scriptures, open up the Bible. You think you have eternal life because you're Jewish, because you follow the Bible. And yet, every one of those Scriptures talks about me. And you will not come to me to have life. And we read on here. It says... Uh, uh, verse 44 how can ye believe which receive honor one from another and seek not the honor that cometh from God only you see they were seeking acclaim and confirmation you know the word we use today Self-esteem. You know, we someone who is troubled. We say, "Well, they, they just have some self-esteem problems." No, most people don't have self a, a lack of self-esteem. Most people have way too much of it. Uh, uh, the the Bible word is pride. By the way, and. and When you seek honor, when you seek confirmation, when you seek stability from outside of you, from other people giving it to you, I promise you, you're going to be unstable. You cannot but be unstable. And they're looking to all of these sources. They had their little groups... uh, Uh, In modern uh, academia, we have honor societies. And if you can take a little test or get such certain GPA or whatever this, he said, you're going to uh, you're going to achieve this certain level and you will be smart. And in fact, how many of you have secretly tried to take those Mensa quizzes uh, on the airplane to see if you qualify for being as smart as the quote unquote Mensa? People are, and if you don't know what that means, you're not missing anything, really, honestly, and truly. Because so many of these quote unquote smart people cannot believe in Jesus and the God of the Bible because of things they've already chosen to believe. They cannot lay aside evolution because if they did, that would mean there's a God and they have to obey Him. That's just one of the illustrations of this point. And we come here, and let's just read these last few verses. Verse 45, Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one that accuses to you, even Moses in whom you trust. For had ye believed Moses, you would have believed me, for he wrote of me. But if you believe not his writings, how shall you believe my words? You know, one of the questions people often ask, they come in and this building uh, is recognizably a former synagogue. The Mogan Davids are still in the windows and on the ends of the pews. And uh, people say, well, uh, why, why, why don't Jews believe Jesus? Right here is the answer. It's because they had stopped believing Moses. If you truly believe the Old Testament, you will believe the New Testament. But when you exchange your Bible for tradition, you're not going to believe what the Bible teaches. Now, this next one, Mark chapter 9, is a passage we've been through many times. And, and we, we'll, we'll hurry here, but there are people who struggle with faith. They struggle with believing. You know, sometimes it's easy to say, Well, I believe Jesus will save my soul, but do you believe him enough to obey his word and be in church on Sunday morning, every Sunday? And come back for prayer meeting on Sunday night. And, and come back for Bible study. And be faithful where the Lord has, wait a minute, faithful in belief, oh, they do have the same root. We already covered that, right? And see, we're conditioned and to believe that, to, to accept, well, since I mentally accept God, everything's okay. How many people pass that? Oh, I'm okay, I don't need that. Uh, me and God, we got it all worked out. Well, listen, I've always loved Jesus. My first question is, if they'll let me ask it is, well, then where do you go to church? Oh, I, I don't need to. Jesus and I have it all worked out. No, if you love Jesus, you will be in the right kind of church. You see, the reason people lo- claim to love Jesus and go to the wrong kind of church is because they got a belief problem. You remember that exclusivity part, that part of the word belief that means that you must believe in one thing. There's got to be a continuation. There's There's got to be a simplicity in biblical belief or biblical faith. And, and this man in Mark chapter 9, he had been everywhere, done everything he could for his son, who was a lunatic, who was possessed of a devil, and finally... He comes to Jesus, and Jesus is not there. And we come down here to verse 23, and he is explaining all the horrible things that happened to his son. And Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help thou. My unbelief. You know, sometimes we are just confused by things that are going on in this world, influenced by thought processes. And we say, I want to believe, but why isn't it working the way it should? Well, here's what the man's prayer was. Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. Now, Jesus did help his unbelief. He healed his son. Amen? But Jesus was also working on the belief and the understanding of his disciples, was he not? Because they came to him and said, Lord, why couldn't we fix this? Why couldn't we cast this demon out? What was Jesus' answer? This kind cometh forth by nothing but by what? Prayer and fasting. By the way, does prayer change God? Does prayer make God do things that He wouldn't ordinarily do? Absolutely not. That kind of prayer is in the Buddhist, in the Catholic and Orthodox uh, traditions. That kind of prayer does not belong in the Bible because God is good. He already wants to do what's best. What hinders God from doing the greatest thing possible in our lives? Our unbelief. So, what does prayer do? Well, prayer can fix unbelief, now can it? Prayer changes me. What does fasting do? Everything that prayer does, only much more potently. That's that's when we get serious enough about something to give up our food or give up our sleep or maybe even both for a period of time so that we can devote ourselves to prayer. If you want to get belief fixed, you got to spend some time here in, in fasting and prayer. And we go to John chapter 11 and arguably the greatest single miracle that Jesus did accepting his own resurrection from the dead was the resurrection of Lazarus. Would you not agree with me on that? And the word believe is found all through chapter 11. And I would encourage you to, to just take a few moments this afternoon and read through John chapter 11. In all the different ways that that word believe was used. But let's just pick up our reading here in verse 15. Verse 14, actually. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent that ye may... What's that next word? I didn't hear anything. What's the word? Okay, we got three or four of you. What? What, what is the word there? To the intent that ye may what? Believe. Believe. There we go. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Now, I love Thomas. I really do. I'm not making fun of him here. Thomas is just one of those guys. He was kind of like Peter, only not quite as loud. But but here Thomas spoke up. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Now, why would Thomas say such a thing? Well, read the rest of the story. The Jews had talked about killing Jesus. And Thomas said, well, listen, if Lazarus is dead and we're going unto him, maybe we're going to our death. But I'm going to follow Jesus anyway. That's why I like Thomas. Even if it costs me my life, I'm going. How many of you like Thomas? I mean, don't misunderstand. That's what he was saying. But that's not why Jesus wanted them to go to die. He wanted them to go so they could believe. Amen? And we're not going to take time to contrast Martha and Mary's faith. Martha had great faith that day, did she not? Let's just read a few of her words in verse 21. It says, Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here... My brother had not died. Jesus already said that in verse 15, didn't he? And, and verse 22, But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it, to thee, give it thee. Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha said, saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Verse 25, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. But we get down to verse 39. Jesus says, Take away the the stone. And what does Martha say? Lord he's been in the grave four days it's it's not going to be it's not going to be nice when we take the stone away it's it's going to be a terrible thing and I don't know if you've ever smelled that smell but if you have it, it haunts you all your life you cannot ever get rid of it the smell of human decay it's different than any other smell in this world e- even now as I Talk about it. I am sickened by the thought and the remembrance of this thing. Martha knew this, and yet Jesus said, what? Verse 40, said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. Then Martha didn't say another word. They took the stone away, and Lazarus came forth, didn't he? Now, we know what happened. Many of the Jews... These Pharisees, Sadducees, maybe, we don't know. Uh, It would be wonderful if it were some of the same ones from John chapter 5 who would refuse to believe in Jesus, now saw this event and chose to believe in Jesus. We don't know. Chances are, there wasn't very much overlap. Because when you choose to refuse to believe in Jesus, it is... Hard to get you to come back the other way. But some of them did. But look at verse, let's just read 45 and 46. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary had seen the things which Jesus did, believed on him. But some of them went their ways to the Pharisees and told them what things Jesus had done. Then you go on through the end of the chapter, the gathered, the chief priests, the Pharisees had gone to their superiors, uh, the Sadducees and the scribes and the lawyers, and they all decided one thing. If we don't stop Jesus, everybody's going to believe on him. Wow. What an indictment of their own unbelief. Do you see that? In their statement of what they were trying to stop, they were proving and openly displaying their own unbelief. Let's go back to our text. If you know it, quote it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have. Everlasting life. Believing in him is so simple that Jesus said in Matthew 18, Let the little children come unto me, for such is the kingdom of heaven. Amen? Except you be converted and become as little children, ye shall in no wise enter into the kingdom of heaven. Let me ask you, has there been a day where you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ? Remember the day you got saved. Amen. But, wait a minute, let's go back. Believing is not just mental ascent. Believing and faith have the same root. There's a continuance. There's a cognitive choice. There should be an effect on behavioral patterns because of that belief. And there should be an exclusivity to that belief. That means that I cannot believe in Jesus and in other things, only in Jesus. It's such a radical change that in verse 3 of this same chapter, Jesus called it being born again. Having a whole brand new life imparted. Why do some people believe? And other people only partially believe. You see, that's where church comes in. And that's why it's so important. Is as a pastor I cannot see into your heart. And I'm glad about that. That's God's area of operation. But you know what the church does and the preaching of the Bible and all it goes back to this word believe. If you're not living what you believe, then please do not play games with yourself. You don't believe what you think you believe. If your belief in Jesus Christ doesn't take you to a baptistry, what kind of belief is it? If your belief in Jesus won't wake you up on Sunday morning and bring you to church, what kind of belief is it? If your belief in Jesus will not drive you to tell other people about Jesus, what kind of belief is it, my friend? Can I get really mean this morning? If you say you believe Jesus and you won't even take time to read your Bible, if you're too busy to come back for Sunday night, You see, the word believe does not mean feel good mentally about. That is not the word believe. The word believe and the word faith has a continuance to it. It is a choice. It is leaving other things and turning down other things that you may believe this one thing, that affects and determines behavioral patterns in your life. Yes, even a believer in Christ can find themselves in sin and in disobedience to God's Word, but a believer in Christ can't stay there because faith draws you back to the Savior. Can we say amen to that? But if you can live a life at your own discretion and your own business and your own direction with no interference from the Holy Spirit of God, then I, I want to challenge you, your belief is just a game. There are many things in this book called the Bible that help us, that give us direction. And if you really believe the Bible... Ought you not be paying it ought, shouldn't you be paying attention to those things that are written in it? See, believe actually means something. See those people that believe for a period of time, and then slide back into perdition where they came for him. What does John say about it? It's the dog returning to his vomit or the swine, the pig to the mire. When you get saved, you become a lamb. You stop being those things. And yeah, a lamb can fall into the pigsty and get covered with all the nastiness that's in there but a lamb can't live in the pigsty, kill it. Believing on the Lord Jesus Christ is salvation. But if you believe in Him it will change the way you live. All you may struggle with it How about, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. Amen? But that belief will drive you to the Savior. Even when we fail, we'll go back to the Savior. By the way, where else can you get forgiveness for your sins? Amen? And those commands that Jesus gave us, Have you ever thought about the fact that we fulfill His direction each and every service that our church has? The writer of Hebrews says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Do you believe the Bible? Then what I do on Monday ought not be that different than what I do on Sunday. And all God's people said, Dear him.